Well, welcome back. Pastor Scott Weatherford here at First Baptist Church Wimberley. It's really exciting how God is using our online experience just to go literally all over the United States and to six different countries of the world. We've been amazed how God is getting the gospel out through this medium. And I'm so excited that you're here. I want you to know that we don't consider you an afterthought. We consider you a front forward thought. We love you. I love you. I'm so glad you're joining us. I'm so glad you're taking time to get good biblical content. Well, you know, that's me talking, so hopefully it's somewhat good. That it just builds your life and encourages you. So just great. It's the month of November. And historically, the month of November is the month that the in the United States, we pause and we give thanks. It's our month of Thanksgiving. At the end of our month, on the last Thursday of the month, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Now, when I lived in Canada... Uh, we celebrated Thanksgiving in October, which as an American in Canada, it was awesome because I got two turkey dinners and then Christmas, so like I was full of turkey. Now, careful, I know what you're thinking, but you know, don't be a cannibal, which I guess if I ate turkey and I am a turkey, would I be a cannibal, which brings up cannibal jokes, which I'm not going to tell because cannibal jokes have a tendency to eat away at you. Oh, whoops. Anyway, but this month we're going to focus on giving thanks, being thankful to God. And we're going to look at basically two places in the book of Romans, which really kind of gives us the depth of thanksgiving. We're going to look at Romans chapter 5, and then at the end of the month, as we go into the Christmas season, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. And we're going to give thanks. Now let me give you the topics we're going to cover over the next four weeks. We're going to be thankful for God's grace. His grace, it is greater than our sins. His grace, it is amazing. Then we're going to be thankful for God's love. How he loves us, as I say all the time, with a love that will not let us go. You know, I, I teased my wife, Tara. I said, if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. And that's that love that will not let us go. If we ever walk away from God, listen to me. If you ever walk away from God, he goes with you. And that's the love that won't let you go. Then we're going to be thankful for his peace. The peace that passes all understanding. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives unto you. Give unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The peace of God, thankful for God's peace. Then finally, on November, the last Sunday, November 29th, we're going to be talking about thankful for God's acceptance. How he doesn't just tolerate us, but he accepts us. In this land of talking about tolerance, would it be great if we were a people of acceptance and we could be thankful for God's acceptance? One of the, one of the most, if not the most compelling truths in the world is that God is gracious. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. And God gives us what, uh, what we should not receive. He gives us things that are just overwhelming to us. I've gave you a quote, and we'll throw it up on the screen for you. God's grace is anchored in his past faithfulness, experienced in his present goodness, and claimed in his future promises. Well, let me say that one more time. God's grace is anchored in his past faithfulness, experienced in his present goodness, and then claimed in his future promises. As I was writing this talk, I just those thoughts came to my mind, how God is the fullness of grace, how it's the completeness of grace. God's grace is amazing, and we're thankful. Let me give you a few grace facts, okay? Because, you know, I kind of like to do the list thing. So here's a few grace facts for you. First of all, um, God's grace is tied to his character. He is full of grace. John, the, the beloved of Jesus, the, actually the cousin of Jesus, he said this, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, 
And we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace. That he was completely full of grace. Now, this morning, I went and had breakfast at the Wimberley Cafe, and I ordered pancakes. So I'm full of pancakes. Well, and maybe some other stuff. But God says he's full of grace. He's full of grace, which is staggering. Grace is tied, God's grace is not tied to our behavior. I love that about him. It's not about what we do that earns his grace or, or gets him to be more graceful for us. It's tied to his character. For you were saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. In fact, one translation, it's the free gift of God. And I love that. That's in Ephesians. God's grace is defining and refining. And we should celebrate his grace. Listen to what Isaiah said. And I will make known the Lord's faithful love and the Lord's praiseworthy acts because of all the Lord has done for us. Even many good things he has done for the house of Israel, which he did for them based on his compassion and the abundance of his faithful love. Another phrase for faithful love is abundance of his grace. God's riches at our expense, the, at his expense, God's grace. Grace is defined as God's demonstrated love that, he's, that is unearned and undeserved. Grace is defined as God's demonstrated love to us that is unearned and undeserved. As some has defined God's grace as God's moving on our behalf. I, I, I think I'm thankful for that. And however, however you define grace, we should be thankful and we should lean into it and try to understand it even when we're not fully comprehend it. Now, in Romans chapter 5, Paul throughout the book of Romans is building a tremendous case of God's righteousness, his love, his judgment, his grace, his faithfulness. He's building like a master uh, lawyer, delivering a case about God. In Romans 5, he starts to explain how God is working on our behalf. And we're going to kind of land on that for the next several weeks, next three weeks actually. And we're going to look at Romans 5 just in chunks at a time. And we're not going to cover all but 11 verses of it in three weeks. It's just so full of rich content. So let's move in that way and let's look at what God says in Romans 5 and be captivated and be thankful for God's grace. Uh, pray with me. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us today. And I pray that you speak through me. That will not be my words or my thoughts, but your words, your thoughts that build the lives of those that are listening. And I pray, Father, we'll be ever grateful for you. There's none like you. And our, and our gratitude and our thankfulness will express that to you and we'll live that out as a result of you. So we're thankful for your grace. And we lean in to listen today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Let me just start off by reading Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to start and just read 1 and 2. Let me read. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also obtain access through Him to him by faith into the grace by which we stand, by the grace with which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And we boast in that hope of God's grace. And that brings God glory. When we boast in God, it brings God glory. So let's pull this apart just a bit. First of all, we are justified by God, by his grace through faith. Justified by grace through faith. Why do we need to be justified? What's this about justified? Well, because we're all dead gum sinners. We're dumpster fires of brokenness. 
Every one of us has sinned. Now, you may say, oh, I'll say, I'll say, Pastor God, I, I haven't sinned in 20 years. Well, you just did. When you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you because we're all sinners. Listen to what Paul said earlier in Romans. For we have all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standards of the glory of God. We are justified freely by his grace through which redemption that is in Jesus Christ. We are hopeless and helpless and we need a Savior. We need a Savior. Listen to what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Uh, excuse me, to Colossae. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed through your evil actions. Your hostility and your alienation from God is expressed by your behaviors. Wait a second. I heard a sociologist recently say, actually a group of sociologists recently say, that the behavior of Christians and non-Christians, there's no difference. Statistically, there's no difference. Wait a second. Aren't, aren't our beliefs supposed to shape our behaviors? But maybe our behaviors are revealing that we really don't believe. Express your evil actions. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. That Jesus died to bear our sins that we might believe in him by faith and be justified with God. And when we're justified with God, we're changed in the way we live in a fallen, broken world. It's, it's amazing. And, but do we do that? And maybe we don't. Maybe we should. Maybe we ought to look at the origins of what's going on in our heart. Faith is by believing that, get this, faith is by believing what is unseen and what is not experienced as reality. You in yourself have no faith. God gives you faith so that you might respond in the faith he's given you to the grace he's offering you. What? Yeah. You have no faith in and of yourself. But God gives you what you need so you may respond to his grace through faith. Faith is in God, not in yourself. Faith is not believing in your best life now or the destiny God has for you. Faith is saying, God, through the gift you've given me through faith, I can now respond to you in that faith and receive the grace from you. And now my destiny is not only secured by you, defined by you, propelled by you, and found in you. My destiny is not some job or monetary account. It's Jesus. Huh. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what's unseen. The writer of Hebrews said in 11.1, 1, Faith in God, not in yourself. Faith that is fueled by God, launched by God, launches the adventure of a life built all for Jesus. I want to read this to you because I want to be precise. Trusting in God for salvation is not an emotional decision, nor is it an intellectual decision. What? Well, what is it, Scott? That's crazy. Listen, it's a life-changing decision that is started by God through the woo of the Holy Spirit. It, the Holy Spirit draws you to himself to give you the faith to respond to his grace that is Response is emotional and intellectual that collides with your will that makes you right with God. So here's the question. Why don't you just get saved? Why don't you just get saved? Quit arguing the intellectual argument or combating the emotional uh, 
inadequacies and respond by the gift of faith that God has given you to the grace he's offering you. Why don't you just get saved? Well, how do you do that? Well, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's just simply an acknowledging and a calling. Believe in the heart, confess with the mouth. Believe in the heart, understand with the mind, confess with the mouth. And then when you do that, there's the metanome, the changing. The changing of opinion, the changing of direction, the changing of your mind. That is the grace that God gives you. But there's more. I feel like a salesman. But there's more. For a free shipping charge, you can blah, 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 blah. But there's more. We're held by God by his grace. Not only are we justified by, by grace through faith, we're held by grace. The grace of God holds it. The, holds us. The moment we ask Jesus to be our Savior, the moment you just get saved, it's made us right with God. And then when we're right with God, we don't maintain that righteousness. God does. Now, so many times I hear Christians say this, that, well, I better, I better be careful, I better be good, or God will punish me. Well, God will correct you, and he will do that, but he'll never stop loving you, and he'll never give, on, give up on you because you're held by his grace, which is amazing. We are not saved by, we are not saved, get this, this is a quote, I, I wrote this down, this is going to be on the screen. We are not saved by divine grace that we should maintain righteousness by human effort. We are saved by grace that we might live in the divine confidence of peace with God. We're not saved by grace for us to maintain it through human effort. We're saved by grace so that we might live in the divine confidence of peace with God. You see, Satan loves to trick us into thinking that, um, well, we have to become a good Christian. You know, in, in our, growing up in a Baptist church, goodness was always measured by attendance or generosity. If I gave money or if I attended regularly, I was a good Christian. I could be a fornicating fool, a, a, a slandering salamander. I could be any kind of bad person, you know, a, a gossip, a, a, a thief, a crook. But as long as I attended, as long as I gave, I was in good standing. That's just nonsense. That's what I call Christian heathenism. Huh. But the truth is, God doesn't want you to be good. He wants you to belong to him. And when you belong to him, you become the righteous of God and he maintains that righteousness by his favor and by his grace and his grip on your life. You're not maintained by human effort. You're maintained by God's grace. And God's grace will sustain you even when you're stupid. Oh. And Satan loves to trick you. But God will not be fooled. And God will not be mocked. For a believer to doubt God's mercy and saving grace is to question God's integrity and God's power. If salvation is maintained by what we can and cannot do, then our trust is in ourselves and not in God. Oh, so it's maintained by God. We cannot outsend God. We cannot outsend God's saving grace nor can we lose our salvation because we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, we didn't start it. God did it. And he holds us in security. Any belief system that creates insecurity in a believer's heart is not from God. Now some of you just lost your mind and you started arguing. 
You say, well, you just a Baptist. No, I'm a Biblicist. And this is what the Bible clearly teaches. Now, here's the next thing. We're justified by grace. We're held by grace. But then we're empowered to live in the grace of God. And this is what Romans 5, 1 and 2 is saying. Now, listen to this. We've also obtained access through him by faith into grace by which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. By grace, we have this, this divine introduction. We have access to God by grace. Now, the Jewish people held the belief that God was not accessible. You could not see him. You could not be in his presence. You could worship him from afar. And they kept a what they called a divine distance. Now, that was kind of made evidence in the Old Testament writings. They said you can't go near to God if you go in the temple without, you know, without proper... Uh, standing, like you couldn't go in the Holy Holies, you'd get burned up, whatever. In fact, in during the Moses exile, uh, the exodus from Egypt, you know, guys were consumed by God because they did things the wrong way. But God's not inaccessible. That's why Jesus came. We beheld his glory. Glory is the own, uh, one and only from the Father. God is now accessible to us because of the presence of Jesus and because the indwelling Holy Spirit. We no longer live in fear without seeing God himself, but we live in peace through the God-man, Jesus Christ, and the sealing of the Holy Spirit as he comes to dwell in our hearts. We are empowered to live by grace, by the accessibility of God in our lives through grace. Wow. Wow. Peace with God then allows us to live in a holy boldness. That we don't live timid, quiet lives. We live bold, confident lives, buoyed by God's love and propelled by God's grace. Without peace, we are paralyzed by fear. But with peace, we become the hope of the world. Without peace, we're paralyzed by fear. But with the peace of God, we become the hope of the world. Now, this is very interesting. The phrase standing, this means a state of total righteousness, our total forgiveness. Because I live in that truth, I can really live free. Peace brings security that leads to confidence, that produces courage, that launches action. Let me say that again. It's on a slide for you. Peace brings security, leads to confidence, that produces courage, launching action. Paul said it this way, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and persuaded he is able to guard that which I've entrusted to me in that day. Now, okay, believers will fall into sin. Uh, yeah, you, you got saved, you're right with God, but you're still a sinner. Yeah, and you're going to struggle with sin. Paul said that in Romans 7. You know, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death, this grip of sin that has on me? But sin has lost its grip, has lost its victory because it's been peeled off of me by the grace of Jesus Christ. I live in a state, of total, a state of total forgiveness. But sin has no power to undo God's grace. His grace is greater than all my sins. What? Yeah. Sin has no power to undo God's grace. His grace is greater than all my sins. A dying Savior bought me grace, and a living Savior helps me live in that grace. Oh. 
You see, when I'm secure, I'm at peace. And when I'm at peace, I live in the grace of God, and I can truly live all for Jesus. I'm thankful for that. Paul ends this by saying, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I love the way he ends that, that passage of Scripture. We can boast. When uh, I was at school at, in my undergrad at Florida State, uh, there was a, uh, a professor who was also a bivocational preacher, and uh, his name was Mitch. And uh, Mitch would often have us out to his little church in Monticello, and he would preach, and we would sing, and we'd be together, a group of us college kids. And, and I remember Mitch and my dear mentor friend, Dr. Shuford Davis, would get up and say, today we're going to brag on Jesus. We're going to brag on Jesus. And I thought, that's what boasting is about. That life is not bragging on me and my righteousness and my goodness, but my life is boasting on Jesus. Bragging on Jesus. And we boast in the glory of God. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see his grace is amazing. His grace is securing. His grace is enduring. His grace is enough for me. And I live in the grace and the goodness of God. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for his grace. Aren't you? Aren't you? Then live differently because you're held by his grace. Have you ever been saved? Have you ever said, Jesus, I'm yours? Have you ever prayed and received Christ as Savior? Maybe here this November, this is what you ought to do. and You ought to take that next step. Maybe you ought to pray with me this prayer, and I'm going to show it to you with my eyes open looking at you right now. Maybe you need to pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm yours. I give my life to you. Thank you that you died for me on the cross and rose again from the grave. Thank you that you have forgiven my sins. I belong to you, Jesus. I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours. Did you just pray that? Did you just say amen? And you prayed that? If you did, then welcome to God's family. Let us know. Raise your hand. Let us talk to you. Let us send you some information. Let us help you with that next step decision. Let us help you get connected and to grow and to serve and to share God's love and honor him with your life. Let us help you because you matter to us. You matter to me. And thank you for the, taking the time to watch. And maybe some of you are going, eh, you know, I've been trying to maintain my right standing with God and I feel guilty and disconnected. And Man, Satan's been jacking you around. You tell him to shut his demonic pie hole and live in the grace of God and lean in and be useful for God. And then give that grace freely to someone. Because I live in grace, I can be a dispenser of grace because the grace that's sufficient for me can become contagious through me that I may give it to the world then let's live that way. Father, thank you for what we've seen and heard and felt today and help us to take next steps that change the way we live. And we pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. I want you to listen to this last song. And I want you to reach out to us. Let us know you're there. You know, we've done some statistical study and we've discovered that people from 31 states in the United States have watched us online in six different countries of the world. Be contagious with what you're, you're viewing, this content. Share it with others. Share it with your family and friends. You know some people who need to hear this talk about grace or be inspired by the music that you've heard. So share that and let's be contagious because we do this all for Jesus and because we love you. And my prayer is that I hope this helps. Be thankful for his grace. And I'll see you next week.
as we continue to talk about giving thanks.